0: Welcome to Restoration Basics. This is the preparatory podcast. My name is Sam Jordison. I'm joined with two others here, and right now we're just going through the Book of Mormon chapter by chapter and discussing the things that are in the scriptures that we can use for our lives today. Um, last episode we went through Chapter Five of First Nephi, and it followed those in the wilderness traveling from Jerusalem to the Promised Land, and they had finally made the Promised Land and. And maybe we'll touch on a few things that that happened back in Chapter 5. I'm joined with two others here, if you guys want to introduce yourselves.
1: Major Smith.
0: Jason Kane. And one of the the things we were just talking about before we started about is how much complaining there was going on in Chapter 5. Everyone was upset. It's understandable, you know, they were on a long journey. They were hungry. They were tired. But they finally reached the land of promise. And here we're going to start in Chapter 6. There's a lot of things from the book of Isaiah that Nephi says specifically in chapter six. It's almost all Isaiah. It's chapter forty-eight. Um, in Isaiah and Chapter 49 there. And so if you guys want to follow along, you can you can find us in First Nephi chapter six and, and we'll kinda of tell you where when we hit forty eight and forty nine. But just to get started, let's let us start out with setting the scene. And Nephi's telling us that he's teaching his brothers here. And he says he reveals many things to them from the writings of Moses, which we would know as, you know, Genesis and the first few books of the Bible. So he's telling them their history, which they would have known, Laman and Lemuel and Sam would have known. But then he says, I might persuade you a little bit more fully, um, I'm going to read about, or I'm going to read to you the things that Isaiah has said. And here's something that really stuck out to me when I read this chapter again before Um We met tonight was in verse five, he says, for I did liken all scripture unto us that it might be for our profit and learning. And Nephi is basically taking the scriptures, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, he's taking the scriptures and saying, how can I apply this to my own life? How can I make this real for someone so it's not just a history textbook? And you can say, yep, that happened, and then move on forward. He's saying, what can we get from this today? And how can this change who, who I am and, and how I handle things? And he's doing that for his brother's benefit. And so that's what, something that stuck out to me is that when I read the scriptures, it can do me some good to know the history. It can do me some good to know the things that, that God has done. And it'll always be profitable, I think, to go back and reread. But I really get something when I'm able to apply it in my own life, when I can say, Hey, you know what this guy's in a similar situation to to what I was in, and if I can respond in the same way then, then maybe I'll see the the same fruits and so I want to ask before we get started with the actual text of the text of the chapter, we might not spend as much time on it as we have in past episodes. We're going to talk about a little bit a few other things maybe, but I wanted to ask you guys what you got from reading this chapter and how um we've talked about changing of the heart, how maybe your hearts have been changed. Using scripture and and the experiences the Lord has given you,
2: uh, what stuck out to me mainly is Nephi is reminding his brothers, um, not directly but kind of of the things that the Lord has done for them and their people. Isaiah is talking about some of the things that the Lord has done for them, and a lot of it has to do with the Lord not abandoning the righteous and that the righteous would survive trials and tribulations. So this is kind of the ultimate. Call for repentance to uh, Laman and Lemuel because, like we've said multiple times, is that Lehi and Nephi are concerned about their spiritual well-being. So,
1: yeah, I guess I just agree with that. Um, a lot of this, a lot of what stuck out to me in this chapter was just that um, the concern of Nephi for his brothers has never changed. And we think about enduring to the end being, we keep on our own journey, but it also means we keep on. Willing other people to follow, you know, it, it's not that we ever give up on them either, and and so I think Nephi, um, especially here in this chapter, embodies that enduring.
0: Yeah, and I think it's you mentioned not to give up on people. That's that's really hard because everything else about um our culture today says, you know, if someone hurts you, then it's then it's okay to just drop them. them, yeah, yeah, just leave them, or. You know, some parts even say, hey, get even, or you can pull it over on them this way, and, you know, then then they're then they're down further than you were, and you're all the better for it. When really, when we apply it to our own lives, when we see the scriptures that Nephi is doing everything, he's chasing after the Savior that he has seen in a vision that is the greatest, most precious gift in Jesus, and he's doing that by constantly looking for others that he can that he can pull towards the savior as well. And he's doing that with his brothers who have hurt him time and time again, almost killed him multiple times, left him for dead and and there's nothing as dramatic in my life as being betrayed by my own family or even I've, you know, some some people have done mean things to me. It never left me in a desert bound in cords ever. No one's ever, you know, tied me up on a ship's mast and refused to to let me go. I've never really been in danger in my life. And here's Nephi, he's just doing that over and over. So when you apply those scriptures to your own life, it's humbling to see what, uh, what a good example Nephi was and, and how he's able to do that. And it's, it means more if you can say, whoa, you know, sometimes I haven't forgiven this person or um, I haven't chased after them as hard as I could. When here's Nephi, he's done it way more and he's had way worse things done to him. We might stick with that theme of, or we will probably stick with that theme of applying things in our own life as we go on and we, we read this chapter. In verse six, he's saying, hear ye the words of the prophet, which are a remnant of the house of Israel, a branch, which ye have been broken off of. And you're going to hear this verbiage a lot in the Book of Mormon. And he's already, Nephi's already established to them, actually in an earlier chapter, that they're now a branch broken off of the house of Israel. They're going to know where they are when he's telling them or reciting scripture to them. And he refers to a branch or the house of Israel. They're going to know where they fall in that story and how they do so I'm just going to dive in here, and we might stop a little bit and and talk about how we can apply that in our own life. But Isaiah starts, chapter 48, but that starts in 6, verse 8. Um, if you're following along in First Nephi, and he says, Hearken and hear this, O house of Jacob, which are called by the name of Israel, and are come forth out of the waters of Judah, which swear by the name of the Lord and make mention of the God of Israel, yet they swear not in truth nor in righteousness. And we've talked about our standard versus God's standard, where we measure up. And here Nephi, or Isaiah is saying, here's this people who are literally saying, I'm on God's side, God's on my side, and I'm doing everything. But they're not actually. They are They are actually not in truth or righteousness. And there's, there's a danger there. Um, Nevertheless, they call themselves of the holy city, but they do not stay themselves upon the God of Israel, which is the Lord of hosts. Yea, the Lord of hosts is his name. And I think about um, our own kind of environment today, maybe in um, not only the church, but our families and stuff, and it's like, hey, no, we're doing what we're supposed to, but are we really? Are we really Are we really built off that foundation that has been set by Christ?
1: So that uh, brings up the point for me, I guess. Um, it, it really relates to a concept that I had um, not, known very well until I had this testimony um, about a year and a half ago. That would be um, on the plane ride back from uh, my first mission trip to India. Well, the only one I've been to India, but my first mission trip, which was to India. And so I I was on this plane and it, it was a really long trip, one of those international flights from China to LA. So it was like 14 or 15 hours. And um, we were nearing the end, probably the last thirty minutes of the flight, where we're starting the descent and stuff. And the captain came over and said, "Please close your windows as we trying to descend." Blah 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 blah. And so it, everyone was doing that, and the stewardesses were coming down the aisle, making sure, "Hey, could you? Oh, excuse me." It was opening your windows, and um, because you want your windows to be open after the the long overnight flight where you have them closed anyway so the stewardesses were coming down and asking people "Hey, oh excuse me can you open your window can you open your window it's like oh yeah these people not listening to the announcement that was given obviously like i don't know what they are are they dumb or are they just not listening or what and i key in on this guy just <laughs> right in front of me he had two windows assigned to his row And both of them were mostly closed and I just mentally, I guess I was just exhausted or something, but I shouldn't use that as an excuse for the thoughts that I had. I was just going off on this guy's like, what is his problem? He is obviously not listening to the hundred times the stewardesses have said, excuse me, sir, will you please open your window.'" And like they were going down these huge long rows telling almost everybody. And this guy was clueless to the whole thing. And I was like, this guy, he's going to get what he deserves when that stewardess comes to his row. And she finally makes the way to him. And she's kind and polite, says, sir, can you please open both your windows? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. He opens both of his windows and I, in that moment when she said something, I was in this mental state of just victory. It was like I had won a war with stupidity and I was I was the captain of the winning side. You know, I, I, I can't tell you why. It just felt that way. And I was rudely interrupted by a stewardess who just told me, sir, can you please open your window? And then the victory was gone. And I felt, you know, going back to chapter six here, where it's talking about these people swore they were in truth and righteousness but they were not. I swore I had my window open. <laughs> I was like, "Man, this guy is so dumb for keeping his window closed." And my window was closed the whole time. <laughs> it, it just it just opened my eyes and it, it keyed on keyed in on something that I really hadn't thought too much about as self reflection. And I feel like that's really important when it comes to development. Anytime, um, well, there's the popular phrase: if you, if you want to improve. First, you have to realize what you need to improve on, and so that just that realization of I need to evaluate what my where my life is at, and and in this case, where my relationship with God is, or um, you can relate to really anything where my relationship with my family is, um, with my coworkers, anything like that. But it comes with looking in and and saying, "Hey, this doesn't match up to God's righteousness. This needs to be different." and that was something Nephi was really, really good at. I think he was able to see um, where the gospel could change him, like Sam said. Um, but people like Laman and Lemuel wouldn't have seen that because they wouldn't have seen the need for change in their lives.
0: And, multiple times they said, you know, Jerusalem, what's wrong with it? There was nothing wrong with it at all. You know, it was like hey, there's someone over there with their own window still closed, so God would focus on them first because we're fine.
1: Right. And, and <laughs> it's kind of funny. And we bag on them again. I'll say this a thousand times. We bag on them for saying, hey, Jerusalem's windows are still closed. Why can't we be up right there? Well, but we're the same way too. I, I, I'm the same way too. Obviously, is that testimony is said again.
0: Going off of Laman and Lemuel and reacting to just Nephi's speech, because they've they've been preached at how many times now? And they've been told by their younger brother what they've done wrong and what they've what they need to do right? Um, maybe is a better way to put it. And and here Nephi is saying, Alright, these aren't even my own words. Here's Isaiah's words. And this is why you need to get your act together. And so what do you think when Layman and Lemmy are sitting here, why do you think they needed to hear the words of Isaiah? I mean, because they've obviously, I'm sure they've heard him before.
2: I guess I, I look at it as they don't respect Nephi or Lehi, and they just need to hear the same sort of message from a respected prophet. And seemingly, they still believe in some things related to God, and they have sort of that knowledge of the history of their people. And uh, I'd say maybe at least some of the prophets, but they still just didn't have uh, the heart of it. So maybe they just needed one of the main prophets of their the plates that they had to yeah. express some of the same sentiments that uh, Nephi and Lehi had been trying.
0: Yeah. I, I attended a, a class last uh, Sunday. I was invited by a friend to to hear his, what he had been working on, something he pointed out that the Jews were, um, and still maybe are, so you could say, are a people that look forward down the line long-term. Like, they've been persecuted so much, and especially in, in ancient Jerusalem and, and the Israel, they had been through a lot of tribulations, and those people remembered it. I mean, maybe Laman and Lemuel obviously are examples of people who kind of were like, yeah, that happened to us, but... Now we're in the present, but they remembered when you're like, Do you want to go back to Egypt? Because that's where our that's where our fathers were, right? And they keep reminding each other, or Nephi keeps reminding them of the tribulations the Jews have gone through already. And they know that they're gonna be persecuted more, right? But Nephi is starting with something that they should understand with this chapter of Isaiah, and it's about God and their their heavenly father who made covenants with their fathers. So this is where you get into um, Isaiah and, and he's saying, you know, look, you say you're with me. You say you're with on the side of God, but you're really not. And, and you say you're a holy city, but you're not really built upon the God of Israel. And then Isaiah in, in verse 10 of chapter 6 in 1 Nephi, it says, I've declared the former things from the very beginning. So he's establishing who he is, that he's God, that he actually foretold these things that were going to happen to him. He told them from the very beginning, and they went forth out of my mouth, and I showed them. And I showed them suddenly, because he didn't want anyone else to come out and say, hey, this is going to happen, and then maybe your attention could be by, well, he was right. This other person who said they were going to happen was right, so maybe he's got. No, God said it from the very beginning. And he explains that in verse 12, that he showed them because he was, um, for fear lest I should say, my idol hath done them, or my graven image and molten image hath commanded them. So then in verse 13, he's saying, look, these new things I'm going to refer to, those are new things to us or to the Jews in that day. That's again about how God has done. And God is saying these these new things because that proves when those things happen that he's God. It proves to his servants that he predicted it and he is God. And so if you go down to verse 16 and First Nephi chapter 6, it says, Nevertheless, for my name's sake will I defer mine anger, and for my praise will I refrain from thee, that I cut thee not off. For his name's sake, I read a little bit of a commentary on Isaiah, and the explanation there was, or they pointed out, I guess I should say, that God again made covenants with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and he made covenants with David and with the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, that they had a part to play in his his plan, and he has to honor those covenants. But also further down the line we know that um, the Jews were persecuted by Babylon Babylon and by Assyria and by others that all because we have the fullness of the gospel we know that that actually pushes his plan forward they had to be scattered they or they were scattered the Gentiles have to play a role in the restoration in the in the coming back of those covenants so we can be a part of that promise too and that'll comes to pass when when Jesus comes back and is able to reign on earth with this today. And so when I think about you know what can we apply is that God's God's really in control because he's told us from the beginning what's going to happen and we've seen the pattern because things he's said is going to happen did happen. and now he's telling us new things not new to him, new to us are going to happen. and when those things happen we're be we're going to know that He's God, but also we can fall back on those things that have already happened and say he's God. So he's got it. He's in control. Um, For behold, I have refined thee, for I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. I don't know. The furnace of affliction doesn't sound like a pleasant place to be
2: in. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: I think it's that, you know, we in the restoration hear this illustration a lot about the refiner's fire. and, And there's that analogy of as being like a gold bar and we need to be heated so that he can take out the dross and stuff. The the person doing the refining knows it's finished when he can see his reflection in, in the gold or in whatever metal is used in the analogy. I'm not sure. I'm <laughs> fairly sure it's gold, but couldn't tell you. I, I feel like this is kind of the furnace of affliction. It's kind of really what makes or breaks us in this time. You know, uh, we were talking about a little bit before Lehi says this to Jacob, the same thing. He's like, You've been through a lot and because of that you know God's great. And um he said the same thing about Nephi at the very beginning. Um, you know, uh he said he he didn't have an easy life, but he knew that God was with him through those trials and that's and so the trials were a blessing because of that. I mean, had he not had those things he wouldn't have been convinced that God would be um, so loving or so thoughtful or so involved in his life. But it's kind of that furnace of affliction that really brings out the true version of us, and it's our choice whether we're going to um, say, well, I want to go with the dross and be scraped off, or we want to stay around and be heated up a little bit more, even though it's maybe a little painful.
0: Yeah, and again, that's just he's always in control and he's pushing us where we need to go because Nephi went through a lot of things right and and how you just said that showed him God was with them the whole time that was an event that pushed Nephi closer to God's will God's plan God's eventual um story that would have um the family of Lehi in the promised land with with the nation because if you take Nephi out of the story if you take Nephi out, and it's just Laman and Lemuel who can easily say, you know what, let's go back. We don't have anyone telling us we're wrong. We don't have anyone preaching to us. Nephi had to, had to go through it, and that going through eventually led to the Book of Mormon. Uh, for us today, it led to a lot of people having a knowledge of the truth, and uh, and his efforts were not in vain. And so when you think about us in our situations, it's all it's all just God working with us where he can. And I
1: think you could even, so you can take away Nephi in that situation, or you could take away Laman and Lemuel. I mean, because they were the cause of his afflictions most of the time. And even though they might not have been what you would call a positive influence in his life, they pushed him towards God more than he might have been pushed had they not been there because of the uh, because of the uh, trials that they caused him to go through.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think with trials and tribulations and all that a lot of people tend to lose their faith rather than lean on their faith in those trials and that's just kind of the silly thing to do because that's when you can really work on your faith and grow that relationship with Christ because he's there no matter what whether you believe it or not and so you might as well uh lean on him and um and when it's hardest to pray, pray harder. And it's just in those trials is when you are refined. And that's, you know, that analogy. So,
0: yeah. And just a little bit further in the book of Isaiah or in chapter Nephi, um, (laughs) God answers those kind of, Hey, I'm in the furnace of affliction. If that ever popped into your mind, he says, I am, he, I'm the first, I'm also the last. He's like, I was the one who laid the foundation of the earth. And I'm, trying right now to look up the book of Job because it reminds me um, of, of the story of Job and he's telling God about all those bad things he's going through and God has basically the greatest comeback ever of like where were you when I laid the stars like were you there I I did that you know get out of here with that um, <laughs> attitude you know and and he's saying here God is, is speaking through Isaiah and um, he's like I'm God my right hand hath spinned the heavens, and I called unto them, and they stand up together. To me, that's like, you know, if you can create a star, then uh, you got my respect. You got my, uh...
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> On a much grander scale, than is probably normal. But then in 23, he's saying, Come ye near unto me, I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that it was declared, I have, have I spoken. And the Lord God and his spirit hath sent me. And thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I have sent him. The Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by way which thou should go, hast done it. O oh, that thou hast hearkened to my commandments. Then had thy peace been as a river, and as thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. And thy seed also had been as the sand, the offspring of the bowels of the gravel thereof. His name should not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. And so then I think he answers the idea... So you, we talked about Laman and Lemuel doing those, or being a thorn in Nephi's side, and he's saying, we know that all men have agency, but here he's saying, look, if you, my plan's still working out, I'm still right on track, because I prepared for this, but if you had kept my commandments, if you had obeyed, done the things you were supposed to, look at all these blessings I would have given you, I could have given you, and I still can give you. Uh, Andrew, Andrew found my uh, book of Job reference. Let's look at it real quick here. Chapter 38. Mm -hmm. Chapter 38, verse 4. Where were where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding, who hath laid the measure thereof, if thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it? Then in verse 7. When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth, as if had issued out of the womb? And he goes on, and he's just making job feel bad i think at this point of like (laughs) hey this is what i can do i can fix your problems or i can be the the solution and and the story of job is a happy ending i think
1: yeah just really fast verse four i think is kind of funny because where were you when i laid the foundation of the earth you don't even understand what that means (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and, it's like i i don't know he's Like you, you weren't even there when I did this, you don't even know what this is. (laughs) And and Job's like, Oh, shoot, you're right, (laughs) I have no idea what the foundation of the earth looks like. (laughs) Is it cement? I have no idea.
0: So, we're gonna push through uh, first chapter or first Nephi chapter six. Uh, My words have been off all day, Andrew can verify that. Um, verified. So, in verse 30. My Book of Mormon actually has a point in here. He, The verse says, And again, hearken, O ye house of Israel, um, all that, all ye that are broken off and are driven out because of the wickedness and of the passers of my people, yea, that all are broken off that are scattered abroad, which are my people, O house of Israel. So mine has a note that says uh, that this verse is only on the plates of brass. So it's showing that Isaiah is, is speaking to the house of Israel pretty clearly, that, you know, this next, this next chapter or this next segment is specifically for those people of the house of Israel, broken off. And uh, we're gonna go through, moving on from verse uh, oh, thirty. And in, in forty-eight he laid the groundwork, and in forty-nine now he's saying, this is this is what's gonna happen. Thirty-one he, he's saying, you know, listen in 32, he's talking about a secret weapon. He's kind of, the Lord has prepared. He's like, I, he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me, and made me a polished shaft. Um, and in his quiver hath he hid me. And he's going on, and he kind of illustrates his a little bit of his his plan that he has here. And that servant who he has as his secret weapon, I've kind of run into this in my research a little bit different items that were portrayed some people thought it was the house of israel that was that was considered this servant others thought it was christ the messiah um and then there was one lds site that thought it was just smith jr so take your pick <laughs> taking bets now uh,
1: <laughs> option d samuel jordan <laughs> uh, <no. laughs>
0: but he's illustrating what this servant would will be will do He's going to say, the servant's going to say, I've labored in vain. I've spent my strength for naught. The Lord formed him in the womb and called him of the womb. So he was prepared from the beginning. Um, yet I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord. And my God shall be my strength. But here's an interesting part. Um, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, his Holy One, to him whom man despiseth, to, despiseth To him whom the nations abhorreth, to servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship, because of the Lord that is faithful. And the Lord is saying, look, I heard everything that was going on, I saw everything that was going on, I planned for it, I I had a plan. And the Lord says, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee and give thee my servant for a covenant of the people to establish the earth. To cause the to inherit the desolate heritages that thou mayest say to the prisoners, go forth; to them that sit in darkness, show yourself. And he goes on to talk about Zion and and the house of Israel, kind of being restored, and and how God could never have forgotten His covenant that He made with Israel. There in the kind of closing verses of of First Nephi chapter six, verse forty-five, He's saying, you know, could a mother forget her her child? No, and I'm and I'm greater than that. He says, "I have uh, graven thee upon my, the palms of my hands. Um, the walls are continually before me, which we we can visualize as Christ who has literally had holes in his hands for us and for our for our shortcomings. And I want to I want to go down to 52 in first Nephi chapter six and, and if you guys have anything, feel free to jump in here. He says, behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles and set up my standards to the people. And they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon the soldiers, and kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and queens thy nursing one, mothers. And uh, a little bit later, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord, and they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. And he's kind of wrapping it up, and uh, in the very kind of closing lines of the chapter, he says, and all flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior, and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. So kind of gives a background first of... Of Hey, I was there at the very beginning. I prophesied these things. I said, what's going to happen? And now he's telling us what's going to happen, which we would know um, with our kind of fullness of the gospel in the Book of Mormon further on in these pages and with the kind of modern day revelation and the form of the Doctrine and Covenants and the Lord still speaking is that he's talking about that city of Zion, the new Jerusalem that that he plans to set up and the people of Israel, the house of Israel is going to be a key component in setting that up. Which brings us to chapter seven, which is the last chapter in the book of the first Nephi.
2: The book of the first Nephi. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The first book of the first
1: Nephi.
0: Well, he was the first Nephi that we know of, that we know of. That's true. In scripture. We're almost to the end of our first, first book in the book of Mormon. Um, and this made me feel a lot better because Isaiah can be a daunting book I think and when it's quoted so much in the Book of Mormon
2: how many times is it quoted It is quoted 21 times full chapters 21, 21 full chapters.
0: chapters That's that's how you know that they're profitable or they're they're needed cuz I yeah. Nephi says look the things of Isaiah those are important so if he's directly pointing out you know they're important but if they're so confusing to just the average reader, and the Book of Mormon is already easier to read, and so uh, a little bit of a hurdle kind of throws you off. Seven is a reassurance because Nephi's brothers <laughs> had the same question that maybe uh, you or I might have, especially I might have, and they say, you know, what do these things
2: mean, um, what you just read? And, um, like, why are you reading it to us? Yeah. Too? Why like, does
1: it apply to us? Yeah. I liked how they came to him. It says they came unto him and asked him, what does it mean? shows that they... We keep playing dev, devil's advocate, I guess. They they had Captain some desire. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Cap, yeah, yeah,
0: Captain... <laughs> sorry, I threw okay. you off. They have some desire. They though. have
1: some desire to uh, move forward, I think. It's just they're far too easily offset by the stumbling blocks in their way.
2: Yeah, they're definitely... Uh, dictated by their own circumstances Mm -hmm. and and yeah i don't think their hearts are really in the right place but every once in a while they're just like oh wait this this is interesting tell me more about this but i don't know yeah we do like playing devil's advocate for for layman and lemuel well you can imagine they go
0: back to their tent and they're like all right, Nephi just told us a lot of things. Why? <laughs> and <laughs> Laman's probably like, I don't know. And was <laughs> like, well, does he mean this? I don't know. So they, they come to him and they say, you know, what do these things mean? Um, and they say, are they to be understood according to things which are spiritual, which should come to pass according to the spirit and not the flesh? So, you know, they're, they're just kind of confused.
1: And they've even learned a lesson because they used to take everything just as completely literal. Like, that's not spiritual. That's physical. Like, you're giving us this commandment? Well, that doesn't make any sense to our physical minds. And then they weren't taking anything more. And so they've obviously come to a better point than they were at some period in the past. Because now they're like, okay, so is this something that we should look at deeper than the top layer?
0: Yeah, and... Nephi talking about those blessings of the Lord, which um, he bestows upon his righteous, he's righteous people. He's able to answer right away, and he's saying they're made manifest unto the prophet through the Spirit, through the Spirit of God. And the Spirit makes all things known unto the prophets which shall come unto the pass on the children of men. So he's saying the things I read are both temporal, temporal, <laughs> thirty-two degrees. They are it's <laughs> temporal and spiritual, and he's saying you know, look right there in verse six. Sooner or later, Israel's going to be scattered, just like Isaiah said. They're going to be gone. We're not going to know where to find them. The more part of all the tribes have been led away, and we don't know where they are. And he goes on to explain to them that um, after they have been nursed by the Gentiles, and the Lord hath hath lifted his hand upon the Gentiles and set them up a standard. So back to that standard he was talking about, that end sign of Zion that he's He's planning to have, for thus are the covenants of the Lord with our fathers. You know, God had a hand in all of this. He knows what he's doing. Um, And Nephi just continues to explain what's going to happen. What we know is ancient history of the tribes of Israel being scattered. And what we know from the Book of Mormon coming to pass And our job with the Book of Mormon of, of bringing it to the Lamanites, bringing it to the Jew and the Gentile to convince them that Jesus is the Christ. Nephi is illustrating that to his brothers, and he's saying, look, all these things are going to happen. It's okay. And that goes back to that, you know, the Jews were a long forward-looking people. They they saw ahead of their time what was going to happen because they've been persecuted so much. And Nephi's saying, no, look, your children, they're going to know. Your children are going to have peace. They're going to be in this. The Lord's going to honor what he said, um, which I find um, really cool that, that Nephi was able to f- to really meet Laman and Lemuel where they needed to be met and explain to them why. Now, Laman and Lemuel obviously didn't take to heart to the level that they should have, but from what I gather from chapter 7, they understood.
1: You said you threw out a phrase that we often use in the church, and says, the convincing of the, the Jew and the Gentile that Jesus is the Christ, And end. I never really thought much about that. I never really questioned why bringing the Book of Mormon to these people would allow them to see that Oh, Jesus is the Christ, but when you look at um, what the Book of Mormon does, it, it it tells us or it ensures in us that God is a God of all people who seek after Him, and not just the people in Jerusalem or the areas surrounding Jerusalem. Okay, uh, we have the I guess a common misconception, maybe in Christianity, that God is the God of the Jews. For the Bible, and, and it's only because he made a promise to Abraham or, or something like that. But God says he's he's found after people who seek after him, and, and it's one of his one of the pillars of himself. And so when we bring the Book of Mormon to others, people, other people such as the Lamanites or uh, the Gentiles who haven't heard. We're also telling them that God is a God for you and me and not just, oh, of all of those people in the Middle East. You know, he, he's a God of everyone who will accept him.
0: I see a different way in that sense that I see a lot of mainstream Christianity has said, forget the Jews, forget those things. The Old Testament doesn't matter. None of it matters. It's over. Jesus fulfilled everything and now we're all we're all good. Part of that is, is very true. What you said, Jesus came for everyone. He came from Jew, for Gentile, every part of it. But God still honors his covenants that he made with his, the house of Israel. And it's so important, I think we'll see going on, that the Jews and the house of Israel is at the center of his covenants. And he is a God of anyone. He's not a respecter of nations, Peter says, I believe, that he'll he'll work with anyone who... Who recognize him as God and he will happily be their God. That's what he wants. But first to the Lamanites, they have a they have a role to play. And the convincing once they know that Jesus is the Christ, they're gonna take off like a rocket is is what I can understand. And I get that because we've talked about I don't think on the podcast, but in the Old Testament of the Bible, um the name Jesus or Jesus Christ is mentioned maybe four times in the Old Testament. That's in the inspired version too. That's not even you know, the King James, that's the inspired version. The name Jesus is mentioned maybe four times. And we know that traditionally, the house of Israel hasn't accepted Christ. But if you go through the Book of Mormon before 3rd Nephi, before the story of Christ coming, Christ is throughout this whole book over and over and over and over again. And that's what convinces them, is that there was their people of the house of Israel who knew they said, look, the prophets were prophesying about this thing since the beginning. They, He got out a plan, and Christ was a part of it, and he's, his name is Jesus, and he's coming. That's the way the Book of Mormon shines so bright, I think, is that it's saying, look, we're going to get into this. Uh, Second Nephi talks a lot about Christ. I mean, the whole Book of Mormon talks a lot about Christ, but I know Second Nephi talks about it specifically, but if you really look at Jacob chapter 3, I believe, and it'll be a little bit before we get there but it's all about how Christ, the, the people knew of Christ beforehand and they were able to live as if Christ had already come. Still observing the law of Moses, but acting like Christ had already come and their hearts and their and their ways they acted and, and the way that people were. And it's so great. Um, and that's what's going to convince Jew and Lamanite and this this house of Israel that Jesus was the Christ. And that's when it, what's going to happen is now I'm racing forward with stuff. But, um, then you get the restoration. The restoration movement is about the restoration of the House of Israel. It's not about restoration branches aren't about, oh, the priesthood was restored or the church, the church was restored. The church was restored so it could be a tool for God to use to restore the House of Israel. And, and once we're part of the church, we're draft, grafted into the House of Israel, um, like we're going to hear about more in the Book of Mormon is how I understand it. So we're excited to get there, I think. The Book of Mormon is a, is a treasure trove. Sorry, I hijacked Andrew's comment.
1: It was a good hijack. It's two sides to the pendulum.
0: So the Lord and and Nephi here are explaining Zion. Um, all that fight against Zion are going to be destroyed. Um, all those people that that are that are causing others to stumble, they're going to get wiped off. Um, and Nephi is saying all these things to his brethren that these things are going to happen. Um, for behold, the righteous shall not perish. For the time surely must come that all they which fight against Zion shall be cut off. Um, and, and then he, he reiterates what's back they know in, in the stories of the scriptures. He says, Unto the fulfilling of the words of Moses, which he spake, saying, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto like unto me. And uh, he goes on to say, for those of you listening, verse 49 of First Nephi chapter 7. Um, but it is the kingdom of the devil which shall be built up among the children of men,
2: which kingdom is established among them which are of the flesh. Uh, first off, before we even get into that, there's also just f- verse 48. And the righteous need not fear. And I think that's a very, I said it earlier, but a very consistent promise through throughout all of these chapters of Isaiah that is being quoted. Here we get into some of the um, warnings to look for uh, in churches and the specific churches that could be considered a part of the kingdom of the devil, which is the opposite of what a church is for. And if you really get into some of the semantics of this, um, church doesn't necessarily mean the same thing as it does how they're referencing it. But it's still, it still applies. But verse 50 says, For the time speedily shall come that all churches which are built up to get gain and all those who are built up to get power over the flesh... And those who are built up to become popular in the eyes of the world, and those who seek the lusts of the world and the things of the world, and to do all manner of iniquity. So, it, it goes to show that if you're looking for the world's approval, then you're not going the right way.
0: Yeah. And, and those churches are all, you can, you can plainly see when they're written like that, they're built to service men, not necessarily God. Yeah. that they're all, how do how do we get ahead in this world?
2: Not how do we further God's work in this world? Yeah. And I forgot to read verse 51, which is, "Yea, and fine. All those who belong to the kingdom of the devil are they who need fear and tremble and quake.
0: So, the righteous don't have to fear. Those of the kingdom of the devil probably should yeah. fear, will fear and quake.
1: And relating back to Laman and Lemuel,
0: They literally quaked when Nephi shocked them.
1: They did quake. But some of these people don't realize that they're in the church of the devil or that they're in the wrong. Like we talked about earlier, they're not in a place where they can understand that their righteousness isn't God's righteousness. So that's why Nephi's reading this to him and he's like, you guys need to evaluate your lives. Like, look at where you are and see that you're not where God has created you to be. I mean, like... You have so much more potential than you're living up to, and um, anyway, he's he's just saying these are the kind of people who are in the church of the devil, and you have some similar qualities to them. <laughs> you're not looking at your life, you're not improving, you're not looking for God's righteousness. You're,
0: and he keeps going. So, and Nephi saying all these these people they're gonna tremble, quake, just like Laman, Lemuel, you know, who who didn't understand what was going on, um, couldn't grasp it. Um, he's saying, look, you need to get your act together. Um, in verse 60, there's a really, really good scripture. And because of the righteousness of his people, Satan hath no power, wherefore he cannot be loose for the space of many years. And they go on to, to kind of touch on the book of revelations a little bit, a little bit on the end and time, uh, you know, after time, maybe, <laughs> um, you could call it, but, in the very end, when God has, has His victory, this is what it's going to look like. And and Nephi says, you know, I'm I'm not going to speak any f- more concerning these things, but you need to know that you would you need to know and you need to dwell on these things which have been written. Because what what are they about? They're about that man must be obedient to God, and that's what we talked on, I believe, in the first episode, right? Was trust and yeah. obedience. That Nephi had a job, Layman, uh, and Lemuel had a job. Lehi took his family out in the wilderness, and that was their job. And they didn't want to do that. The Laman Lemuel, the older two, didn't want to do that. And Nephi says, look, me and dad, we're not the only ones who are talking about them. We're not the only ones who've had experiences. He ends with a promise. He says, if you're obedient to the commandments and endure to the end, you'll be saved at the last day. And thus it is. Amen. And Nephi ends his speech to the brothers there. And that kind of wraps up First Nephi chapter 7.
2: And First
0: Nephi. That's right. I
1: love verse 70, and thus it is. It's just like, mic drop. It's just like, there's how it is, guys. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Yeah.
0: Well, we've appreciated going through uh, the first book of Nephi. We're going to try and get some some more voices in here for, for coming chapters. We may try and talk about some other things besides just um, chapter by chapter of the Book of Mormon. Maybe have some shorter episodes, too, just to be quick quick drives you can listen to. But we hope you got something from this. If I got anything from chapter six and seven, it it almost starts in the beginning. And I know that's a really minor part when Nephi says, look, if you can just apply this to your life, that's where you're going to gain it. And and that's something I would recommend everyone doing. We're going to do some more studying. We're going to do some more preparation. And we will catch you on the next episode of Restoration Basics, the preparatory podcast.